Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make Him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. This can be found on page 354 of your, new, of your pew Bible. Jezebel, wife of King Ahab, threatens Elijah's life after the pagan prophets of Baal are defeated by God in response to Elijah's prayer. In fear and assumed defeat, Elijah flees into the wilderness where the following encounter with God takes place. A reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with the first verse. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. It was an epic display of the power of God. Elijah got to witness this amazing fire from heaven, which came down and lit an altar. And then God sent rain on the earth. The background to the story was this. There was an economic recession in the nation because of a severe drought. And the nation had become divided. There were two camps that developed. One was all for Team Baal, and the other was for Team God of the Bible, or Yahweh. Because of the recession, there was a lot of blame to go around, and each side blamed the other. I know we don't have any idea of what that's like. But through this recession, even the king, King Ahab, had chosen a side, and he was on Team Baal, along with his wife. But Elijah, the prophet, was faithful to God's word, and the whole tensions of the situation culminated eventually in an epic showdown. It was like the Super Bowl, but way more consequential. There were 450 prophets of Baal that showed up. The competition was basically the question, who brings the rain? And so the prophets of Baal, they prayed and prayed to Baal that he would send fire from heaven to light this altar on fire, but he never came. So Elijah had his turn, the prophet of the God of the Bible, and he stood outside that altar and he prayed a prayer, something like this. He said, Lord, if there was ever a time for you to really show up, this would be great. 
And he did. Fire from heaven came down. We don't know if it was lightning or just literal fire from heaven with that altar lit. And then rain came and the people were, just, people were restored. The prophets of Baal, however, were killed as a result. I'm glad we don't settle our conflicts that way now. But the prophets of Baal were killed. Now, Elijah got to witness this amazing scene. There's this statue of him in Israel. I brought a picture of it. I want to show you. You can see this to this day at Mount Carmel. This is a depiction of Elijah in that amazing moment. You see that sword almost looking like a bolt of lightning that he's holding. And look what's underneath his foot. That's one of those prophets of Baal. Total victory. Woohoo! <laughs> well, today's story that Dave read for us is not this story, but it's the story that took place right after this epic display of the power of God. And I looked around Israel, and there's no statues of what happens next. There's a statue of Elijah in his victory pose, but there's not a statue of Elijah in his place of burnout, which is where we find him today. How did he go from burning hot to burning out? And how might God restore people who are experiencing burnout? We're going to look at that today. Is there anyone here who has experienced burnout? Okay, that was a resounding yes. We're going to look at this story and ask, what causes burnout? It's often, surprisingly, not what we think it is. We often think that burnout is caused by working too hard. But we'll see in Elijah's case, it was something else going on. And then, more importantly, we'll see what God does to restore us when we've experienced burnout. So let's dive into the scripture together to find out. This is 1 Kings 19. If you've put your Bible away, go ahead and take it out. Open that up. We're going to be bouncing around to some of these verses. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now, who are these characters? It's possible you might not know who these people are, Ahab and Jezebel. Ahab was one of the kings of Israel. We've been looking at some of the kings over the last few weeks in this sermon series, and they've all been pretty bad kings so far, or at least have had deep flaws. Well, Ahab was actually the worst of all. That's exactly what it says in 1 Kings 16, verse 33. Look at this. It says, uh, Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. How would you like that as your reputation? Of all the bad kings, this one ticked off God the most. Well, even worse, he married Jezebel. And if you think Ahab was bad, wait till you meet Jezebel. She makes Ahab look like a Boy Scout. <laughs> Jezebel had one thing she loved the most, and that was Baal. She loved Baal. Before the story I just mentioned, she had some of the prophets of Yahweh killed so that she could raise up and promote the prophets of Baal. She did all kinds of other awful things. You can read about it in the narrative in 1 Kings. So what does it say here? Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as, one, as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, Elijah, you're a dead man. I heard what you did. I heard about the epic showdown. 
where you proved that the God of the Bible is victorious over Baal. Now I'm coming for you. By this time tomorrow, you're a dead man. Verse 3, then Elijah was afraid. I'll bet he was. And he arose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life from no better than my father's. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. He went from burning hot to burning out. And he found himself an isolated place in the wilderness under a broom tree. I brought a picture of a broom tree from the wilderness in Israel so you can imagine it. Can you see him there? Running for his life, totally alone, totally isolated. The enemy loves to isolate us. The enemy loves to get us alone, thinking our own thoughts. And this is what Elijah was doing when he found this little place of shade, hoping he would die. He was not only geographically isolated, but we're going to see in the story that he also had become spiritually isolated. And the spiritual isolation was something that Elijah did to himself. Because while he was sitting under this broom tree, running for his life, all alone, isolated and afraid, he was replaying a narrative about himself in his own mind. He was saying it over and over and over again. And the narrative went something like this. I'm the only one who understands. Everyone has turned their backs on God. And I'm the only one left. Elijah had become a remnant of one. How do I know that was what was going on in his mind? How do I know that he was replaying that same narrative over and over and over again? Well, because in the very next paragraph, Elijah is going to be in a cave and he's having a dialogue with God. And God is communicating to Elijah, but Elijah repeats the same speech to God. Every time Elijah opens his mouth, he says this, 1 Kings 19, verse 10. He says, I've been very jealous for the Lord. In other words, I love God the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I, even I only. It's something weird going on in the Hebrew. It's hard to translate it, but it's basically saying, it's sort of like when you're warming up in the shower to sing, me, 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 me. <laughs> Elijah's saying, I, 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 I. I love you, God. No one else does. Everyone's lost their minds. I guess I'm the only one. And he repeats it again in verse 14 when God's trying to move the conversation onto something else. Elijah's replaying this narrative over and over and over again in his mind. You know, like when you're playing Spotify or some music service and you can hit that little loop button and it just plays the song over and over and over again? I have a 12-year-old daughter in my house and she, when she gets a song that she likes. She just plays it over and over and over again. And this is what Elijah's doing in his mind. I'm the only one left. Only I love God this much. Everyone else has lost their minds. Me, me, me. And he has spiritually isolated himself as well as being geographically isolated. He has become a remnant of 
one. Now we're going to learn in just a moment that he's wrong, actually. His narrative isn't right. But when I zoom in on him there under that broom tree, replaying that same narrative over and over and over again, I got to be honest with you, I, I recognize myself a little bit there. I do this on some level. I think it's all about me sometimes. I think I'm the only one who understands. I think I'm all alone. We've all had a rough couple of years through the pandemic, but especially people who are in leadership and had to make decisions. I had a a little bit of a rough go at it during the pandemic, just like any of us. And there was a couple of moments deep in the thick of it all where I looked a little bit like Elijah probably on my interior thought world. Being a leader through the pandemic means you had to make decisions. And it usually upset people when you made those decisions. I believed when I became senior pastor, falsely, I believed that I I could make everyone happy. (laughs) There's a people pleaser in me. And then the pandemic hit and I had to make decisions, indoor worship, outdoor worship, masks on, masks off, six foot spacing, music. What am I going to preach on? What am I not going to preach on? And there were times when I'm pretty sure I upset one side. Other times I'm pretty sure I upset both sides. And there were days when I walked home from church replaying a narrative in my head, a little bit like Elijah. Everyone's lost their minds, except for me, of course. (laughs) And I had created a remnant of one in my own imagination. And it burned me out. That's usually what causes burnout more than just working too hard. It's what we're telling ourselves when we take things too personally, you know? So how does God treat us when we're in that place of burnout, self-inflicted isolation? How does he treat us? Well, one of the things that he does is he corrects the narrative. In chapter 19, verse 18, God finally gets a word in after Elijah's repeating that narrative over and over again. Me, 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 me. I'm the only one left. Verse 18, God says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal in every mouth that has not kissed him. 7,000. You see, Elijah thought he was the only one left who still loved the God of the Bible. And God says, no, 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 there's 7,000 others. This is probably not a literal number. The number seven, usually in Hebrew, means fullness or completeness. And the number thousand just means incalculably large number. God is saying, Elijah, you've put yourself in a remnant of one. You think you're the only one left, but there are so many people, we can't even count them, who still love God. You think you're alone, but you're not. You see, God corrects our narrative. That's why I keep running back to the word, because every week I get all mixed up in my own thoughts, and then I come back to the Bible, and God corrects the narrative that I've got running on repeat. And the other thing that God does to us when we're in that place of burnout is he provides for us so graciously exactly what we need when we're burned out. Look with me at verse 5. He lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head 
a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. See, God gave Elijah what he didn't deserve. He gave him rest. He gave him restoration. He gave him a snack and a nap. (laughs) You remember last Sunday when Pastor David preached on King Jeroboam, and David made the argument that King Jeroboam had about the same level of maturity as the toddler that David lives with. Here now we see Elijah basically throwing a toddler tantrum because he's on the run and he's created this self-isolation. So what do toddlers usually need when they're upset? A snack and a nap. (laughs) God says, Elijah, you need a snack and a nap. Lie down. And he gets two naps, actually. And he gets provision of bread to eat and water to drink. During that time in the pandemic, when I was getting myself in some of those thought patterns, God gave me an angel too. I remember a couple times I would walk home from church. It's not a long commute to walk home, but it was enough time for me to replay that narrative sometimes. And I'd come in and Nancy must see it written all over my face. And she'd say, how you doing? And I would, I would tell her the narrative like Elijah told God. And I would say something like, everyone's mad at me. Everyone's lost their minds except for me, of course. <laughs> and there were a couple of speeches she gave me, right? Standing there in the kitchen. And I remember one time she said to me, Nathan, this is not about you. The whole world's going through this thing. Everyone's going through a hard time. Some people are taking it out on you, but this is not ultimately about you. Then she fed me dinner. (laughs) I needed that. She corrected my narrative and gave me the gracious provision of a meal. Thank you. There were a number of times Nancy talked me off the ledge. Figuratively speaking. So is there anyone here who has felt that kind of burnout? Is there anyone here who runs the same track over and over again in your mind? You're all alone. Nobody understands you. Is there anyone here who could use an angel? a provision, a savior, a snack and a nap. Well, God provides that for us because he's not done with us. God wasn't done with Elijah. God wasn't done with me. God's not done with you if you're feeling burned out. Look what it says in verse 8. And Elijah arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Elijah still had two big missions that God needed to accomplish through him. Maybe in your life group this week when you gather, you can read on to the rest of the story and discover what those missions were. But God graciously gave him this provision, correcting his narrative and giving him 
bread and water to drink and sending him on his way. And here's the amazing thing I don't want any of us to miss today. God is still in the business of providing for burned out souls like us what we don't deserve. If you find yourself sitting under a broom tree today, replaying the same narrative, I I have something cool to show you. It's even better than an angel showing up and giving you food and something to drink. We have a Savior named Jesus who's provided bread and something to drink. And here's what I don't want us to miss. It's what it cost him to provide this gracious provision for us. You see, Elijah went to that tree thinking only about himself. But Jesus went to the tree of death, the cross, thinking only of you and me. And he died in our place. He took upon himself all the burnout, all the false narratives, all the ways that we've rebelled against him, all the ways that we've run, all the ways that we have sinned. He took that all upon himself on the cross, not because he was thinking about himself, but because of his great love for us. And it's that provision, it's his body, and it's his blood that we enjoy at this meal together. We come every week and we get the narrative corrected in our minds, the tapes we've been running in our minds. We open the Bible and we read the wisdom, the word of God, and it corrects our narratives that it's not about us. And then we get this gracious provision of this meal. It's a really simple formula we got going on here at Stanwich. But we all need it week after week. And when we receive it, I hope nobody's taking a nap today, but when we receive this kind of provision, we can rest. We can rest. And we can be restored. Because God's not done with us yet. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.